This morning, I want to continue the message of the kingdom of God. And why is this important that we are stuck and we are still talking about this message of the kingdom of God? Well, number one, when we go back two weeks ago, we spoke about the upside down kingdom. And I started talking about the fact that Jesus had called us to build a or to establish a loving Bible-based kingdom community. That is our church's vision and mission. But who knows that when Jesus taught about the kingdom, he was actually teaching about the kingdom for all of his disciples, and that all of us have a responsibility to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. Amen? That is what the Bible teaches. That is our mandate. That is the mission that Jesus gave to us. And so we saw last week or the week before, Johannes also spoke about the kingdom last week where he spoke about the fact that we have two kingdoms that we are constantly battling in. We have the kingdom of God, which is the kingdom, the rule and reign of Jesus Christ. And then we have the kingdom of the world, which is in complete opposite contrast of the Lord's kingdom. And so we've been talking about that for the last few weeks. And when we spoke about it Two weeks ago, we said that in Matthew 5, Matthew 6, and Matthew 7, Jesus taught his first and probably his longest sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. And we started with the Beatitudes. And the Beatitudes we spoke through, and we spoke through eight principles, or not really principles, but more characteristics of kingdom citizens. So in other words, Jesus came... And right after he was baptized by John the Baptist, he started his public ministry in Galilee. And he said, all right, now I'm going to teach you. First of all, that was his announcement of his kingdom. He was to explain to people what the kingdom of God was. And then he started to explain how do we actually live as citizens of this kingdom. In other words, what are the values of the kingdom of God that we are to base our lives upon that we are to live out in our daily life that will actually cause us to be salt and to be light so that we may influence the kingdom of the world. Because when we say that, you know, we want to establish the kingdom of God in Vintuk, that sounds so beautiful. What a beautiful vision. It sounds very spiritual. It sounds amazing. But what does that actually mean? And more importantly, how are we actually going to do that? And so this is where the Lord started really birthing this thing in my heart and started speaking to me about values. When we live by kingdom values, that means we are able to influence the world around us by those opposite, contrary to the world, complete contrast values of the world. And so if you've missed part one, you can go and listen to the podcast, or I think it's up on YouTube as well. But today we want to go and we want to look at the next chapter. So last week we spoke through Matthew 5. Today we're going to speak about Matthew 6. So if you've brought your Bible, it's going to be really easy. We're just going to stay in one chapter. I'm not going to jump around. I'm not going to test your Bible knowledge. But we are going to talk through Matthew 6. And in Matthew 6, this is actually the second part of Jesus' sermon. He's still talking. <laughs> He's still preaching. And in Matthew 6, we're going to look at two different areas of kingdom values and kingdom characteristics, kingdom character that Jesus is calling us to live by. And I've kind of grouped them. I did my own study and I grouped them in my own way. And so if you're taking notes, it's also a new version. The first theme Jesus is teaching about giving, praying, and fasting. Giving, praying, and fasting. And the principle there is about a secret principle. And we're going to talk through that this morning. And I think that is probably one of the most powerful principles and values we can live by in the kingdom. And the second topic we're going to talk about is money and worry. And Jesus takes a significant amount of time to teach about those two things together for a reason. And that is where he's speaking about a kingdom priority principle. It's about a kingdom priority principle. So if you've got your Bible, you can turn to Matthew 6 this morning and we're going to jump straight into it. Giving, praying and fasting. 
And Matthew 6, verse 1 to 4, we're going to start there. Jesus says, watch out. Okay, who knows that when Jesus says, watch out, he's giving a very stern warning. Okay, he's saying, pay attention to this. This is very, very important for a kingdom disciple to understand. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. Verse 2, when you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they have received all the reward they will ever get. Verse 3, we're going to go to verse 4. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. I want you to just repeat that after me this morning. Your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. And I think this is so powerful because... What is Jesus speaking about here? This first 1.1, if you want to make notes and you want to number it, like I like numbering, okay? Jesus is talking about the Pharisees who, you know, they were Jewish believers and part of their law, part of their religious activity was to give. Like it was actually, it was actually, what is the English word that I'm looking for? It was not demanded of them. It was required of them. So Jesus wasn't saying if you give. They were giving. They were expected to give. He said when you do give, it is very important how you give and why you give. And the problem with the Pharisees in those days were that they were giving and they were doing all these beautiful outer religious things for the purpose of being admired. So they were in the streets and they were giving to the poor and they were giving to it to the needy and it looks fantastic. It's obeying the law. But Jesus said, your heart is not in that act. Your heart is not actually there to give because you love God, number one, or to give because you've actually got compassion on the person who is needy in front of you. It has actually nothing to do with pleasing me. It's all about you and how you look to the people around you. And what is so profound about this is that Jesus is actually talking about the heart condition again. And you'll notice that everything we talk about in the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus preached from Matthew 5 to 7, he's addressing outer behavior with the wrong inner motive. And for the Lord, what goes on inside of the heart is much more important than anything we will ever do or say on the outside. Because remember, Proverbs 4.23 says, Guard your heart, for out of that flows all the issues of life. So in other words, everything inside of our hearts will actually determine what we do. But the Lord is the one that looks at the heart. He doesn't look at our outward behavior. Only when it matches our inward motives, we will be rewarded. That's what he is teaching here. They would do the right things. Jesus said we have to be generous. We have to look after the poor. We have to give to the church. We have to give to those in need. But we have to do so with the right heart motive of number one, loving him, wanting to please him, and number two, of a real love and compassion for people. So he was actually taking on the Pharisees. And I believe sometimes it is so tempting even for us. You know, we find ourselves in a place where sometimes we might give because we feel bad. Or we might give, and I'm talking giving in all sense. You know, we might want to give because we feel we have to. We kind of feel in our heart, but isn't that what a Christian is supposed to be doing? And yes, it is, but what is more important, and that's where the secret principle comes in. Jesus is teaching here that actually, sometimes when you give to someone without telling anyone else about it, you will actually receive much more reward for that. 
Because the Father sees what we are doing even when it is in secret. And so I think there is a powerful principle called the secret principle. The principle of what is between me and the Lord. And sometimes we feel a need as Christians, I've been there myself, to be seen for what we are doing. And sometimes it might just even be a little niggle in our heart that, you know, it feels good when someone else just recognizes that you are actually doing something great for the kingdom. But Jesus said, be very, be very aware of what is going inside of our hearts. Let's not seek the praise and the approval of people, but let's really seek it from the Lord because that is the reward that we are actually after. That is the reward that we want to get. And so the secret principle speaks of living for an audience of one. That is a principle of the kingdom, when we live for an audience of one. Okay, Matthew 6 from verse 5. Let's continue reading. Now Jesus goes on and he speaks about giving. Now he speaks about praying. And he says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. Verse 6, but when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your father in private. Then... Your father, who sees everything, will reward you. See, there is that same sentence again. And so what Jesus is teaching about prayer, and then he follows on, and we don't have to read through that, through the Lord's Prayer, which is a beautiful sermon on its own, as he gives an example. But he says that prayer should also be done in the secret place. Are we allowed to pray and give in public? Yes, absolutely. But again, the motive that he wants to bring, the kingdom value that he's trying to teach the disciples by using the wrong example of the Pharisees is that he doesn't want us to also pray and to act out of that place of religion so that other people can applaud us, can cheer on our holiness and think we are so awesome. Because did you notice that Jesus used the word hypocrites twice? In both passages. And when you go and look in the Greek, that Greek word for hypocrites actually means to be an actor. It means to play, um, you know, to put on a show, to read a script, to act, and to, it's almost like to conceal your motives, to do something for an outward reaction from people rather than from a real place of obedience. And Jesus is saying, the Father is calling us actually to the secret place. Because your holiness will actually be seen through power of the secret place. We don't have to go and act out our Christianity in ways so that other people can applaud us and recognize us and pat us on the back. He's saying, when you go into the secret place, that is where the power lies. The private victory will be the public promotion. What we do in the secret place, in other words, intimacy between me and the Father, will actually be promoted in public. And so Jesus is calling us back to that place of the secret place, that place of intimacy. And he's saying, absolutely, there is a place for public prayer. We pray in public. But again, he's warning us, don't ever find yourself in a place where my Christianity is lived out in public in order to get people to think, wow, she is such a kingdom warrior. She is really so holy. I wish I could be that holy. You know, because what, what is the temptation sometimes for us in the world? And remember, we're speaking about a kingdom value versus a worldly value. In the world, it is all about the image that we build and the image that we create for ourselves. Think of social media. And we all do this, okay? We all put up the highlight reels of our life. No one puts the terrible moments on there, you know. No one puts the stuff on there that you don't want anyone to see, you know. And maybe that's a good thing, <laughs> praise the Lord. But Jesus is saying, 
Do not try and build an image for yourself through your acts of your Christianity like the Pharisees did. Their heart's desire to pray on the street corners and to blow the trumpets, it was all drawing attention back to themselves. And it was what Johannes spoke about last week about lip service. When we can say the right things and do the right things, but when we don't do it with the right motive, it's just lip service. It is not something that the Lord can bless. It's not something that we can influence the world with because it's not coming from that secret place. It's not coming from that right motive. The religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees, struggled with self-righteousness. And that's why they were walking around in public and praying and acting all holy. Because what is self-righteousness? It actually means that I think I am more holy than the person next to me. And I know that's not necessarily something that I see in our community. But it's important that we talk about this because we need to make sure that we check our hearts constantly. Lord, am I actually, is my heart connected to you in the secret place? Because then my life will be salt. My life will be light. The kingdom value, as we spoke about last week, is blessed is those who are meek. Blessed are those who humble themselves because they will be exalted. And I want to encourage us this morning, church, when we are trusting the Lord to promote us in the kingdom, the way to promotion is going down. The way to go higher in the kingdom is to go lower on your knees. There is a place of where the Lord says, the humble he will promote. Because what is Jesus warning us about? Actually, he's warning us against pride coming into our hearts. And so this is a word that I really believe speaks to Christians. It speaks to disciples. It speaks to people like us who want to serve the Lord, who want to go in and, you know, do the ministry of reconciliation in our daily lives. We want to go and influence the world with the kingdom. But that's why he's teaching them. And he says, that's great, but be aware. Always be aware of our motives. Always keep our hearts in check. Make sure, Lord, am I aligned with you? Because we will see power in public when there is prayer life and intimacy in private. Amen? Is it okay this morning? Are you a bit cold? Must we close the door at the back? Okay, everyone says they're okay. Okay, then Jesus continues, Matthew 6, verse 16. And when you fast, so this is the third thing he speaks about, giving, praying, and fasting. When you fast, don't make it obvious, as the hypocrites do. He's taking out those Pharisees. For they try to look miserable and disheveled, so people will admire them for their fasting. And I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. And so again, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and he's, he's speaking to them because fasting for them was also part of the law, like giving and praying was. And fasting they would only do once a year for the Day of Atonement. But these guys... Because they were so hungry for a reputation of wanting to appear holy. They were so hungry for people's opinion, for people's praise, for people's pat on the back to say, Yes, my jy doen goed, jy so heilig, jy so awesome. That they would actually fast twice a week. And then go and show it off and act all miserable. And, and the irony of what Jesus is teaching here is that in the kingdom, fasting is actually about... Humbling ourselves and dying to our flesh. And the irony of what they were doing is by attracting attention to their humble act of fasting, they were actually drawing attention to their flesh. They were actually feeding their flesh. So that completely defeated the whole purpose of the exercise. So that is the point that he is trying to make here. The point is you need to go into the power of the secret place. It's not about people knowing that we are fasting. And again, you know, we need to understand Jesus' teaching. He is saying give by all means. 
He is saying pray. He is saying fast. And it's okay if people know you are fasting. But it's the motive. It's the motive. It is the image that we are concerned about ourselves, or it is the image of Jesus Christ that we are concerned about. That's where we have to distinguish the motive in our hearts. And God will only reward us with heaven's blessings when our motives for any spiritual discipline is to get closer to him, is to see his kingdom come in our lives, in the lives of people around us, in the city that we live in, that place where God has placed us. It's not about us. It's not about impressing people. It's not about seeking public recognition or rewards on earth. And I think, you know, I've even been in that place. And, and that's why I know it's so easy for us to fall into that trap. And even though Jesus is giving us a warning, there is so much grace for us to be healed in this area of our hearts. Because who knows the love languages? You know, the five love languages. You know that one of the, Johannes knows it. I might teach on it often. He thinks I have all of them. But so my number one love language is actually words of affirmation. It's words of affirmation. And so that can be a tricky one in this context. Because I remember once I was praying for this girl and I was praying with her for a long time. And we were trusting the Lord for a, a huge breakthrough in her life. And yes, I really, I really felt like I went above and beyond. I spent a lot of time. I invested a lot of time in our relationship, um, even sacrificed time, sacrificed resource to really build into this person's life. And uh, just before she got her breakthrough, someone else prayed with her like once. And I heard her testify and I heard her say that, you know, this person prayed for me and then God broke through. And something in my heart went, and I thought to myself, but what about me? What about me? I also prayed. I also sacrificed. I walked a journey. That person came in, prayed one prayer. They get, they get all the affirmation. And the Holy Spirit whispered to my heart and said, that is the tweak. That is the tweak in our heart that we have to make. That is what we have to be careful of. Because it wasn't about me praying with her. Was it? It wasn't even about the person that prayed with her once. It was about the king who did something in her life. And so I learned a valuable lesson there. And now I'm constantly asking the Lord, Lord, please check my heart. Is it about me or is it about you doing something incredible in someone's life? Because I don't want my motives to actually give room for pride to come into my life. Because the Bible says that pride comes before the fall. And so that's why all of these things taps into that place of the hidden motives of the heart. And Jesus says, pay attention. The kingdom value here is seek me, seek my kingdom first. It's about me. It's about my kingdom when we do and when we obey in any of those areas. Amen. And our Father who sees everything that we do will reward us. And I pray that we would really have the Lord dig into our hearts. Let's not live for an audience in front of us, but let's live for an audience of one. His approval is the only thing that matters. It doesn't mean that, you know, we cannot feel and gain confidence when someone else says, hey, well done, good job. But it means that even after a Sunday when I preach, I don't go and look for everyone's affirmation around me. I am only obedient to the King of Kings. Okay? I, do not, I am not supposed to be looking for everyone else's pat on the back, everyone else's affirmation, because that is a worldly pursuit. And that will keep us trapped in our hearts when we're constantly looking for people's affirmation and then people don't give it to us and then what happens? It will lead us to a place of performance. And Jesus is saying, I don't want you in the kingdom to live from a place of performance. The second category Jesus speaks about is money and worry. And this is where he talks about now he transitions into the place of a kingdom priority principle. And I want to read to you Matthew 6, and we're going to start in verse 19. Are you still keeping up this morning? 
guy. Okay, now Jesus goes in and now he gets serious. He says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. So he's still continuing about this issue of the heart. Your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. And when your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is bad, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Did we go up until 24, I think? We cannot serve God and money. And so what is the point that Jesus is making here? He's actually making the point, again, we are distinguishing between kingdom values and worldly values. And Jesus is actually saying that money is powerful. Who knows that money has power? Even if you don't believe it, it does. Money has power. And the Pharisees believed that they could actually build for themselves great treasures on earth. Again, it comes back to how we look to those around us. And they oftentimes used money to really build that reputation of themselves. You know, there's all the stories of how they would give in the treasury, but they won't give of the first and of their best. Or they will give with the wrong motive. So that's why Jesus keeps bringing this back. They were spiritually blind. This scripture speaks about the eye that is good or the eye that is bad. And in this context, it actually speaks about what my eye sees in the natural or what my eye see spiritually. So in their case, the problem that he was condemning was their eyes were focused on the materialism of the worldly kingdom. And that is what they were pursuing. That was their first priority. And that's why it actually made everything else dark. That's why their heart goes where the treasure is. If the treasure is materialism and things, God's not against us having things, but is the, are the things having us? He's not, God is a God of blessing, but does money have us? That is the question. And when we, were, when we were actually busy with liberating truths, we spoke about this last week. That word mammon, another translation says we cannot serve both God and mammon. That word mammon actually refers to the materialism of this world, the materialism of the worldly kingdom. It actually more specifically refers to the whole system of materialism, the worldly kingdom of money, possessions, fame, status, whatever is more valued than the Lord. And I just think that is so profound. And Jesus is saying, hey, warning again, this thing, if you don't put my kingdom first, that thing will draw you into a world where my kingdom blessings will not manifest in your life. Your life will not be able to release the salt and the light that it is supposed to. Because again, we cannot serve two masters. And that word serve actually refers to enslaved. It means that the one that we are actually serving is the one that has our heart. And that is the problem. When money or mammon, materialism of this world, has my heart, I cannot serve the Lord. Because only one can be king. Amen? So in the kingdom, either Jesus is the king of my heart, or there is another God in his place. And he is warning us against that. God is not against money. He's not against blessing. It's about who has my heart. Who am I serving? 
Who is the one that directs, which values will direct my life? Because what is in my heart will direct my life. Amen? You look very serious this morning. Is it a serious message this morning? Jesus is the king of his kingdom. Money is the king of materialism. What we treasure, what we put our focus, attention, and energy on and strive towards is what will be in our heart. And that will then lead the pathway of our life. That's what Jesus was warning about. And the reality is, if we just look around us, that is what people are serving today. That is why many people cannot come into the kingdom of God because they've attached themselves to the pursuit of money, to the pursuit of the things of this world. There is a scripture in 1 Timothy 6 verse 10 that says money is the root of all evil. It doesn't say money is evil. It says money is the root of all evil. We see divorces. We see um, jealousy, businesses going down, all these things, government corruption, all these things because of money, the pursuit of money, the pursuit of the kingdom of this world. And so Jesus warns against that. And it reminded me, we spoke about this with the liberating group that just finished last week, which was incredible. And uh, we spoke about the rich young ruler. Who remembers in the, in the Gospel of Mark, there is the story of the rich young ruler. And he came up to Jesus and he said to Jesus, Teacher, Rabbi, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus looked at him, and the Bible actually says in the Amplified that he looked at him with love. He looked at him with compassion. Because I think Jesus knew what he would choose. And Jesus said to him, go and sell all your possessions. Give all possessions. Go and, you know, give all the money to the poor and then come and follow me. And listen to what it says in the Amplified. I didn't put it on the, on the screen. Mark 10 verse 22, and it says, But the man was saddened at Jesus' words. He left grieving because he owned much property. He had many possessions, which he treasured more than his relationship with God. That is scary. Verse 23, Jesus looked around and he said to his disciples, How difficult it will be for those who are wealthy and cling to their possessions and status as security. This is where it comes in. What do I put my trust in? What do I put my security in? How difficult would it be for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God? Verse 24, the disciples were amazed and bewildered at his words. Some of you look bewildered this morning. Okay, they were bewildered at his words because what is this teaching? They haven't heard this before. They were amazed, but Jesus said to them again, Children, how difficult it is for those who place their hope and their confidence in riches to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man who places his faith in wealth or status to enter the kingdom of God. That's a profound scripture, and I think the Lord speaks to every single heart when he deals with this topic, where he says, in the kingdom, I want your faith to be in me. I want your faith, your hope, your security to be on me, to be on my word, and not on the infallibility of finances, of riches, of wealth. We cannot even trust in our job. We cannot trust in our business. We cannot trust in our clients. Amen? That is when we place our value in the wrong kingdom. And here now Jesus goes into the next one and he says, do not worry because he's placed this foundation. And this is the last scripture that we want to read this morning from verse 25. Matthew 6, 25. This is why I tell you, why, why is he telling us not to worry? Because he's already taught us that money must not be where our hope and our security is in. Do you see why it's important to also study scripture in context? Jesus doesn't just say, oh, don't worry, it's okay, you have nothing to worry about. No, he gives us a reason why we shouldn't be in that place of worry. 
That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, because isn't your life more than food and your body more than clothing? There is so much gold in here, but I don't have time to go through every single sentence. But what is Jesus actually also teaching here? Our life is more about the kingdom. There is more to our life than what we see here, than what we need every day. What we eat, what we drink, what we wear, where we live, where we go, what we do. Our life as a kingdom citizen has a higher purpose. There is more attached to it. Amen? Verse 26, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them, and aren't you far more valuable to Him than they are? Everyone say, I am valuable. You are valuable to your Father. Verse 27, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Who struggles with worry? That's okay, we are all honest in this place. I'm a worry, okay? But this morning, I just feel like the Lord wants to shift our focus back, shift our attention back, lift it up from the natural what we see to what is in heaven, amen? We need to go from kingdom value, from worldly value to the kingdom value. That's what he's teaching. And why worry about your clothing? I think this is particularly talking to the woman. Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. The struggle is real. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon, in all his glory, was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today, thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? Is this speaking to anyone's heart this morning? Because it sure spoke to my heart. Jesus teaches that instead of serving money, we need to choose and align our hearts to serve his kingdom first. Because when his kingdom is our first pursuit, then we don't have to worry about everything that goes on in the natural. It doesn't say we cannot pray for God's will to be established. We cannot ask. We cannot request. It says that we are actually focusing on his kingdom and when we do he will give everything that we need does that make sense this morning it is a major shift in our heart that needs to happen and this is the upside down kingdom this is what the upside down kingdom means it means that i give in order to receive i die in order to live I am emptied of myself in order to be filled by Him. Amen? That is the upside-down kingdom. That is what Jesus wants us to focus on. Because when we do, that is when we can find ourselves in a place where we can live out this vision, where we can base our lives on the value of the kingdom, and where we can actually push back the values of the world and say, excuse me, you have no hold on me because my king already has a hold on me. And that's why I can live blessed. That's why I can live in peace. That's why I can live with contentment. Because remember that the world cannot buy peace. They cannot buy contentment. They cannot buy any of these things. And I tell you, church, honestly, we don't have time to go into all the testimonies that Johannes and I have seen. And I'm sure there's many here. You can also share testimonies that will lift up the faith of all of us. Of how the Lord takes care of us when we put his kingdom first. I cannot tell you the amount of times, just financially. I'm not even talking about anything else. Just financially. I was sharing this testimony recently again. That when we came here... We obviously left everything behind. We, we left everything in the world. We left jobs. We left security. We left income. We left all the things to go on the faith journey. Amen. Hallelujah. It's glorious. But, you know, it really tested our faith in a lot of areas, especially finances. Because there were times in that first year, and, and we are still every month on that place of absolute faith, where we were literally short a couple of thousand rand every month. 
And I remember the one month, we always do our budget in the beginning of the month, and we work out, okay, Lord, this is what we know. This is the area of faith, okay? This is what needs to happen before the 30th. And so we would trust the Lord and trust the Lord, and literally, I think it was two or three days before the end of the month, we had specific bills due, and, you know, sometimes when you live in that place of faith, many of you will know, there is no room for maybe. Like, God has to come through, otherwise you're toast. Okay, or it's bounce or something happens. And I remember literally we were praying and we were just in the place of, okay, Lord, we are stepping out on the water. And someone came to our house. We didn't share this with anyone. We prayed and trusted the Lord. It was about two days before month end or whatever. And someone called me. It was a lady that I'd met before, but I didn't know her really well. She hasn't really been in our church. Um, you know, I didn't, at that stage, I didn't know many people in Vinduk. And she, she literally called and she said, I want to drop something off for you and your hands. I just felt something on my heart. And I thought, oh, that's sweet. Maybe she's, you know, bringing us like dinner or, you know, something, cupcakes, it's funny art. And literally she stopped at our gate and she dropped an envelope in my hand and it was quite thick. And she said, this is for you. And I said, no, what is this? I thought maybe she wants to maybe give towards outreach or she said, no, no, no. The Lord spoke to me and said, this is for you personally. And when we had opened it, it was exactly the amount we were short for that month to the saint. And, you know, there are many examples that we have of that. But I just want to encourage you with this, that when we put the kingdom first, it opens up a pathway for the miraculous. But there is a place where we actually have to take a step of faith in order to put the kingdom first. Sometimes putting the kingdom first will cost us. It'll cost us in time. It'll cost us in resource. It'll cost us in comfort. In how we think. And this is the biggest thing that I think Jesus wants to shift this morning in our hearts. Maybe there is an area in your life where you know the Lord is calling you to actually just, can one of the team just maybe assist there? Thank you. The Lord is actually calling you to shift something of the natural, where your focus is on the natural at the moment. But God wants to shift it to a new place in the supernatural. Amen? Is everyone okay this morning? Amen? Does it make sense this morning? You're either bewildered or you're amazed this morning. And so this morning, as we come to a close, I want the team to just serve communion for us. And I want to share a scripture with you. And as I share the scripture, I want you to just focus on his presence this morning. On his presence this morning. And we are going to focus our attention on the king. And I want you to think of your life. And I want you to think about where is the Lord challenging a mindset or challenging something in your heart that He wants to align to His supernatural kingdom. It could be in the area of finance. It could be something in your family. Whatever it is, I want us to take some time with the Holy Spirit and have Him minister to our hearts this morning. In Matthew 26, this is now 20 chapters on. Jesus is preparing the hearts of his disciples because he's about to go into the crucifixion. And it's the Passover and he's getting ready and he's preparing the Passover meal. And in verse 26, it says that as they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. And he broke it in pieces, gave it to the disciples saying, take this and eat it, for this is my body. And why don't you just receive the bread of his body this morning? And he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and said, each of you drink from it, for this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. And it is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. So you can receive the wine this morning. Lord Jesus, we thank you this morning for your words. 
that the Bible says will never pass away. We thank you this morning, Lord, for your body that was broken for us so that we could be made whole, so that we can receive healing spiritually, emotionally, physically, in any area we need it, Lord. And Jesus, this morning, we thank you for your blood that was shed on the cross for us, for the forgiveness of our sins, and that it washed us clean, Lord, and that so we could be in that place, in that state of righteousness, so that it could give way and make way for us to come before the Father and for us to be reconciled to our Heavenly Father. We thank you, Jesus, for that this morning. And I want to pray this morning for two groups of people. I want to pray firstly, if you are here this morning and we've been speaking about the kingdom of God and, you know, Jesus taught that there is only one way into the kingdom of God. And that is through accepting what He had done for us on the cross. That is through laying down our life and realizing that we are sinners and that we lived our lives completely away from Him. And it is accepting what He had done for us on the cross. And if there is anyone here this morning and maybe you've never ever made that decision, the Bible says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And we spoke about that two weeks ago. Repentance means actually turning, making a decision to turn completely from our old life and walk into the kingdom of God with Jesus into a new life. If there is anyone here this morning, you've never actually made that decision, then I want you to just gently raise your hand. No one is looking around because we want to pray with you after the service. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. That is the best decision you will ever make in your entire life because that means that we will actually have eternal life and we will live with Christ. We will reign with Him forever. And all of these things that we do here on earth, the Bible says our Heavenly Father sees and He is the one that will reward us. There are rewards waiting for you and me in heaven based on what we are doing today, based on how we are living our life. And the second group of people I want to pray for is if you are here this morning and you're saying, Marissa, actually that, that message spoke to my heart. I find myself, I'm constantly in a place of worry. I'm constantly in a place of anxiety. And I'm just really afraid in my heart. It could be over anything. It could be over finance. It could be over a relationship. It could be something in your life. But you find yourself, you are constantly in a place of worry. I want you to just gently raise your hand because I want to pray for you this morning. I want to pray that we break those thoughts this morning. I want to pray that the Holy Spirit will shift our focus from the natural, the worldly kingdom, into the kingdom of God, into a supernatural place. Holy Spirit, you see every hand that was raised in this room. And Father, I pray over every person in this room, Lord, as you've confronted mindsets of worry and hearts of anxiety this morning, I just pray, Lord, for those thoughts, those incorrect thinking to break in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray that you would come and reveal yourself to each one of us, Lord. Show us, Lord, where we are believing something, where we are focusing on the natural world, and I pray that you would lift up our heads, Lord, lift up our eyes so we can see your heavenly truth, your heavenly kingdom. Lord, I pray that you would break old mindsets, Lord, and release new truth into every area of our lives so that we can live with the heavenly mindset. So that we can see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Because, Father, we know just like the parable of the sower, when we walk around with hearts that are filled with worry, that are filled with anxiety, it will choke up the seed of the Word that is sown on our hearts, and we will not be able to see your fruit bear in our lives. So, Father, this morning we give our worries to you. We repent, Lord. And we say we are sorry, Lord, for looking at the natural world around us. 
And we ask, Lord, come and pour your truth into us this morning. Fill us afresh with your spirit. Lift up our heads, Lord, so we can see the things of heaven, so we can focus on the things of your kingdom. Help us to apply your kingdom principles in every area of our life. Help us this morning to take these values, Lord, and allow you to cultivate them inside of us because we cannot do it of ourselves, Lord. Your word says that we are nothing without you. But we can do all things through the one who gives us strength, through the one that enables us, through the one that gives us grace, which is your enabling power in Jesus' name. And I want you to lift your hand if you want the Holy Spirit to just come and fill you afresh this morning. If you are worried this morning, see yourself just releasing every worry, releasing every thought. Holy Spirit, you see every hand. Fill your people now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Heere. Come fill with every person. Just come and fill every person. Come and wash over every thought of anxiety and just release your peace, Lord, your peace that surpasses all understanding. Wash us with the power of your word, Lord. Wash away every care. Wash away every worry. Lead us into all truth, Holy Spirit. Come and do in us, Lord, what only you can do. And I pray that we will walk out of here with a new sense of peace, with a new sense and a new knowing that the Holy Spirit is inside of us and greater is He that is in us than Him that is in this world. That we would walk out with a new boldness knowing that our Father sees and our Father cares and our Father will provide everything that we need. Lord, help us to feed on Your Word when we are worried. Help us to feed on your word because what we feed is what will grow. Thank you that you go ahead of us this week. Thank you that you go behind us and around us and that we are never alone. We love you, Lord. We praise your name. And everyone said, Amen.